Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. We're going to be in the last uh, few passages there of Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. Uh, I've been watching crews construct a new bridge over the Beth River. Uh, I live in Four Forks, and so I have to cross the Beth River back and forth every day, uh, coming to church and going home. And I've been watching them build this bridge for what seems like eternity. It seems like they've been working on that bridge for lots of years. Uh, It's a lengthy and very painstaking process. Um, And it reminds me of an article I read not too long ago by Wilbur Nelson. Wilbur Nelson uh, was a Christian radio host, and he was a writer. He was also a pastor. And uh, he wrote this in his article about those who build bridges. Listen to this. He said, while designing and building bridges... Three loads must be considered. The dead load, the live load, and the wind load. The dead load is the weight of the bridge itself. The the live load is the weight of the daily traffic that the bridge must carry. And then the wind load is the pressure of the storms that beat against the bridge. The designer and builders plan for bracings that will enable the bridge to bear all three of these loads. And this is what Wilbur Nelson goes on to say in his article. He said, in our lives, we need bracings which will make it possible to carry the dead load of self, the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies in our lives. When we place our trust in Jesus, this is the most important part of his article. He says, when we place our trust in Jesus, he gives us the strength we need to withstand these various stresses. He gives us stability and he gives us durability. I love that article. And, you know, yesterday morning, I was on my way to a, to a race over at Chenault and uh, Aviation Museum in Monroe and Uh, I crossed that bridge, and I thought about that bridge because I knew I would be mentioning that this morning. I thought about that article that I read by Wilbur Nelson. And and when I got to that, to the Chenault Aviation, you know, we were waiting, getting ready for our race, and and three ladies got up on the stage, and they started singing about Jesus. They started singing about Jesus, who is our sacrifice. Jesus, who lived perfectly but then died sacrificially on the cross, so that we might be right with God. They were singing this song about Jesus, about His sacrifice, about being right with God, and all I could think about was this passage today in Mark chapter 6. You know, we've already read that Jesus fed 5,000 men with His disciples. The loaves of bread and the fish were multiplied, but more than that, what we saw was we saw disciples who obeyed Jesus when He said, You give them something to eat. We see disciples who trusted Jesus. They didn't understand. They they didn't understand what Jesus was going to do or how he was going to do it. But they obeyed Jesus and they trusted Jesus. And they were a part of one of the greatest miracles that has ever taken place. One thing that I don't want to do today is I don't want to dehumanize the disciples. Because I think sometimes we do that. I think sometimes we go, yeah, well that was the disciples... But, and that was with Jesus, but you know, I'm Jeff, and I live in 2022 in Start, Louisiana. 
It's almost like the disciples had a leg up on us. I'm going to tell you something. The disciples were human beings just like we are human beings. Their minds work just like our minds work. The blood in their bodies flows just like it flows in our bodies. And so I don't want to dehumanize the disciples. I believe they struggled in their faith journey. I believe they struggled to see Jesus for who He really was. I believe they struggled in their faith to understand why are we here? Why are we doing this? I just believe they struggled in their faith journey. And I also believe that Jesus knew that. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We talked about that last week. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does that mean? That means he loves us. He loves us in such a way that he provides for us. He cares for us. He gives us what we need when we need it. He also says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Jesus reminded those that day when they were feeding, you know, the 5,000 and when he was with his disciples and everywhere he went, Jesus wanted them to know that the bread that he was giving them was bread that would feed them for eternity. It wouldn't just meet a physical need right here and now. It would meet, meet a spiritual need forever and ever. See, Jesus gives us full life. He gives us eternal life when we repent of our sins and we put our faith and trust in Him. Jesus went on to make several more I am statements in the Gospel of John. But we're in the Gospel of Mark. And what you're going to see today in the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus says once again, I am. Now, He says it in a little different way, but in the Greek language, it's the exact same words. Jesus is, I am. And he's going to not only tell his disciples that, he's going to show them that. Jesus is, I am. Mark chapter 6, look at the first two verses, 45 and 46 in this passage. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. I'm going to tell you, these two verses, it'd be real easy to move right from feeding 5,000 right to Jesus walking on water. And if you do that, you miss two of the most important verses of this passage. Verses 45 and 46. First of all, I want you to see this. Jesus had a plan. Nothing was catching Jesus off guard. Nothing was catching Jesus by surprise. And he wasn't flying by the seat of his pants. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do that day when he fed the 5,000. He knew exactly what he was going to do to and with his disciples that night and the next day. Jesus had a plan. As we see in scriptures, Jesus never said or did anything by coincidence. It was always intentional. Jesus was intentional with his words. Jesus was intentional with his actions. And he knew exactly where he wanted his disciples to be. And notice... In this passage, Jesus, Jesus doesn't ask the disciples to get in the boat. What does he do? He commands them to get in the boat. Sometimes we need to, we need to understand who's in charge, don't we? Because a lot of times we think Jesus is working for us. Hey, Jesus, make my life better. Hey, Jesus, make my life a little more comfortable. Hey, Jesus, do this, do that. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus don't work for you. And he don't work for me. Jesus does the will of the Father. And when we obey him and trust him, we do that 
in an attitude of humility, and we do that in an attitude of surrender. Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus commanded them to get into the boat. I also see something else very important here, something that we see very regularly with Jesus. Jesus took time to pray, didn't he? He took time to pray. I'm going to tell you something. We've already seen it in the, in the Gospel of Mark, and we see it throughout all the Gospels. Jesus was pressed at every side and every turn. He was preaching the good news. He was teaching the good news. He was healing people. He was doing so many things in so many ways in so many places. However, Jesus took time to pray with his Father. Nothing got in the way of Jesus' prayer life. No one got in the way of Jesus' prayer life. I'm going to tell you, just as Jesus was intentional with his words and his actions, Jesus was intentional with his prayer. He was intentional with his prayer life. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I'm not trying to look outside the context of this passage. I'm trying to focus on this passage, nothing else. I believe Jesus was praying for the next ministry opportunity that was coming for himself and for his disciples. I believe that. I believe Jesus knew what was waiting on the other side of the lake. I believe Jesus knew that. I believe he was praying about that opportunity. He was praying for his disciples. He was praying for their next step of spiritual growth and kingdom service. You know what this is? This is intercession. Jesus was interceding for his disciples and he was interceding for those he was going to come in contact with on the other side of the lake. That's what Jesus was doing. Hebrews 7.25 says, says that Jesus still intercedes for us today. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus was doing that day, that night, for himself, for his disciples, Jesus is still doing it today for you and for me. And as we will see in these next verses, this wasn't some quick prayer. right? This wasn't, uh, God is great, God is good, let us thank you for the food, Amen. This wasn't some quick, and, and let me get through this moment to the next prayer. This was a deep, passionate prayer. A deep, passionate prayer. That's what this was. How do you know that, Brother Jeff? Well, I know that because of verse 47. Look at it with me. Later that night, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about this timeline in just a moment, but stick with me. Verse 47, later that night. The boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. So the boys got in the boat like Jesus told them to, and they were already going across. Where was Jesus? He was still on the mountainside doing what? Praying. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, okay? Are you following me now with this timeline? So it was evening, he got him in the boat, told him to go, he went to the mountain and prayed, later that night he was still praying, and now, what does it say right here? It says, shortly before dawn, which means this has been hours of praying, shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when, he saw, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And how did they respond? <laughs> they cried out. 
Because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Very powerful words. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood. Do you see that? The disciples ain't no different than you and no different than me. They are human beings that have to process things as they take place. It says, they were completely amazed For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were what? Hardened. Now, theologians and biblical scholars tell us that this timeline is very important. Based on the time of day when Jesus dispersed the crowds to this point when he prayed, it would have been considered the fourth watch of the night. Okay? So this was the fourth watch of the night. What does that mean? That means this is the hours just before dawn. So it would have been somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Somewhere in those hours, this was taking place. By the way, why is that important? Do you remember when the Lord parted the Red Sea for Moses? Do you know what time of day it was? Our time of night? It was the fourth watch. Go back and look at Exodus chapter 14. When the Lord parted the Red Sea, when the Israelites were in a difficult situation, and the Israelites didn't understand why they were where they were, and they were looking behind them, and they saw somebody coming for them, and they were all afraid and terrified, it was the fourth watch of the night when the Lord parted those seas, and they walked right through it. Moses, I love this, It's one of my wife's favorite passages of Scripture. You know what Moses told the Israelites just before this happened in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14? He said these words, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now that phrase, to be still, doesn't mean just stand there and twiddle your thumbs. That's not what it means. What it means, you need only to trust Him. You need only to trust Him. And when He tells you to pick up your feet, you pick up your feet and you walk. If He tells you to move forward, you move forward. If He tells you to step back, you step back. If He tells you to go to the side, you go to the side. You just trust Him. You obey Him. That's what Moses told the Israelites in Exodus chapter 14, the fourth watch of the night. When the Lord performed again one of the great miracles of the Bible. So let's get back to our disciples. The disciples, in my opinion, were in a difficult situation. They were in a difficult situation. First of all, let's talk about where they were, right? They were in the middle of the lake. Isn't that what the Bible says? The middle of the lake. Now, now, why does that matter? Well, when you look at the cultural context and the societal beliefs of these people, the middle of the lake was one of the most dangerous places you could be on this earth. That's how they viewed it. Listen, fishermen who were good on the waters, who understood the waters, guess where they did not like to go? The middle of the lake. Do you know where they did their fishing? They did their fishing along the shores. 
and a little ways out from the shores. They did not go to the middle of the lake to fish. They didn't even like going to the middle of the lake to cross. This was their belief system. The middle of the lake was viewed as the most dangerous place to be. And that's where the disciples were. This was a difficult circumstance. Not only that, the Bible says something was against them, right? What was against them? The wind. I'm going to tell you, I love the wind when it's to my back. I'm not real keen on the wind when it's hitting me in the face. See, as a runner, when the wind is pushing against my face, that means I have to work harder to get through it. (laughs) When the wind is to my back... I kind of get my shoulders wide and I stand up straight and I just say, push me, Lord, push me. It happened yesterday morning. (laughs) Yeah, they were in a difficult place, but I want you to see this. Jesus knew exactly where they were. And as a matter of fact, Jesus sent them where they were. The Bible tells us Jesus saw them. Do you see that? Jesus saw them and went to them. Now, let me, let me talk about that middle of the lake again. So, if this is Galilee, which theologians tell us it is, there is a stretch along Galilee that is five miles wide. And it is very likely that these disciples had already rode out and were stuck in the middle of the lake, which would have been close to two and a half to three miles out. Yet Jesus, coming down off that mountain praying, is looking out two and a half miles out. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to see 500 feet. Much less a mile, much less two and a half or three miles. I would would say that's impossible, at least for me. Yet Jesus is standing and he sees them clearly. Not only does he see them, he sees what is against them. He sees their trouble. He sees their difficulty. And the Bible says he went to them. The disciples were what? Straining at their oars in the middle of the lake. But I'm going to tell you something. They were in the middle of God's plans and purposes. Not just for their lives, but for the lives of individuals that they were going to see in that morning. Jesus, from what we can gather in the Scriptures... He's walking on top of the water. Walking on top of the water. The Bible says he walked on water. Now, I I don't know about you, but I, I believe Jesus walked patiently and steadily on those waters. Okay? I've heard some say, I bet Jesus was running across those waters. Why is he running across the waters? Again, do you think this caught Jesus off guard? I don't. I think he saw his disciples. He was not fearful. He was not worried. He knew where they were. He had his eyes on them. He knew he was going to be with them. I believe Jesus was steadily walking on those waters. Walking across those waters to get to his disciples. In the middle of the lake. I want to ask you a question real quick. Have you ever been in the middle of the lake? Do you feel like you're in the middle of the lake right now? Do you feel like at times Jesus can't see you? Do you feel like at times Jesus has abandoned you? Has pushed you out there and said, good luck? You ever felt like that? 
Do you feel like that now? Well, I want to let you know that you need to be careful with your feelings. Because sometimes your feelings will get in the way of what you know. Think about this for just a moment. What was the most dangerous place and the most dangerous situation for the disciples was under Jesus' feet. (laughs) Think about that for just one minute. What the disciples were fighting and what the disciples could not overcome, Jesus was walking on it. It was under His feet. I want to ask you again, whom did the disciples belong to? They belonged to God. They belonged to Jesus. They belonged to the I Am. And I love this because as they're struggling, right? As they're, oh, they're just, they're, they're on these oars and they're probably yelling at each other. Row harder, Peter. Shut up, John. You row harder. At least that's my, I'm trying to, I'm tr- again, I'm, not, I'm trying to, de- you know, not to dehumanize them. I just believe they're, they're stuck. They're scared. They're worried. And then the Bible says, Jesus was about to pass them by. I looked at that phrase, and you may look at that phrase and think, well, Jesus was just fixing to walk on by them, and, and, and maybe they would just, after he walked by them, they would just come along. That phrase, pass them by, is very important. As a matter of fact, it's the same words in the Hebrew language that is used in Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, guess what God did to Moses? He passed him by. And guess what Moses saw? He saw the glory of God. Moses wanted to see God. He wanted to see His face. And God said, you can't handle it. And so what did God do? God passed him by. And in passing him by, Moses saw the glory of God. And I'm going to tell you something. It changed him. It didn't just change him on the inside, it changed him on the outside. (laughs) Moses became a man that was glowing because of the glory of God. I'm going to tell you something else. I know a Sunday school class is studying Elijah right now. Been praying for y'all because that's some kind of study right there, I'm just telling you. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, guess what God did to Elijah? Anybody want to guess? It's not a coincidence. You know what he did to Elijah? He passed him by. So do you think that's a coincidence? That Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat. He sees them out in the middle of the lake. He knows that they're disturbed. He knows they're in a difficult situation. Do do you think it's just a coincidence of this language that Jesus passed them by? I do not. Because when it comes to Jesus, there are no coincidences. Passed them by. What did Jesus want his disciples to see? What did he want them to know? He wanted them to see the glory of God because he wanted them to know God. So Jesus spoke to them. He spoke to them. Why did he speak to them? Because they thought he was a ghost. They're yelling at each other, and now all of a sudden they're yelling at that ghost. And, 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 and so you can just assume, right? You can just assume this is a difficult situation. This is a tense situation. 
And so Jesus spoke to them. But He didn't just speak words that don't matter. Jesus spoke some of the most powerful words that are recorded in the Bible. And they're words that are recorded in the Bible time and time again. Jesus spoke three words that are very specific. He said, it is I. Three powerful words. It is I. Jesus was not just there to rescue them from a dangerous situation. You and I might look at this and go, oh, Jesus came to their rescue. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus did a whole lot more than come to their little rescue. And I'm going to tell you, so many times in our lives, we're just satisfied with Jesus. Hey, come rescue me from this situation. Oh, Jesus, get me out of this. Oh, Jesus, please help me. And we're satisfied with the rescue. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus wants to do a whole lot more in your life than rescue you from your little scared situation. My little scared situation. And I got them a plenty. (laughs) I got four kids, so I got a bunch of difficult situations. My kids are saying amen because they got a daddy. Difficult situations. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus was doing so much more than rescuing them from a difficult situation. Jesus said, it is I. Do you know what that is in the Greek language? Here's the words. Ego me. Ego me. You know what that means in the Hebrew language? It means I am. That's what it means. In John's gospel, John uses the Hebrew language and, and Jesus said, I am. I am. I am. Mark uses the Greek language And Jesus says, it is I. But guess what? It's the same words. Jesus doesn't say, I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I am the bread of life. He doesn't say, I am the gate or the door to his disciples in this boat. You know what he says? He said, I am. I am. What did Jesus want his disciples to see What did Jesus want his disciples to know in the midst of their difficult situation? I'm going to tell you what he wanted them to know. He wanted them to know God. And he wanted them to know that he was God. God in flesh. Emmanuel. That's what Jesus wanted to know. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to know that he is the I am. He is eternal And He is unchanging. He is life. He is light. He is the Word become flesh. That's what Jesus wanted to know. Wanted His disciples to know. Why was this this an important experience in the lives of the disciples? I asked that question. Because I'm looking at this and I'm reading all of it, right? I'm, I'm not stopping I'm not stopping in chapter 6. I'm going to chapter 7. I'm reading, but I'm coming back to this and I'm asking, why did it have to be this way? Why did it have to be this way? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because Mark tells us right here at the tail end of this passage, the disciples were struggling in their faith. That they were. They were obedient. Don't get me wrong. They were obedient. And they were trusting the Lord. But don't think they weren't asking questions. Because they were. They asked each other questions at times. They even asked Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing? Hey, Jesus, what? why? They were struggling in their faith. They were struggling to understand who Jesus was, what Jesus came to do. And the Bible says they're still questioning what happened with the 5,000. Isn't that what Mark just said? They didn't understand about the loaves. If they don't understand about the loaves, guess who they don't really understand about? Jesus. <laughs> 
They're struggling in their faith journey. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. Listen to this. He said something happened to the disciples the previous day that should have affected the way they reacted on this day. However, they didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't looking for Him in the midst of their trial. And they weren't looking for Him in this problem because they had failed to see Jesus was the answer to the previous problem. (laughs) Why do I struggle? Why do I struggle in my challenges? Because when Jesus comes to me and Jesus speaks to me, Yesterday is so far gone, isn't it? I mean, think yesterday is so far gone. Jesus has come to me in the midst of my trials and tribulations, in the midst of my storm, when I was struggling, and He has spoken to me, and He has shown me who He is and shown me what He can do, and yet yesterday is so far gone because today, this challenge, oh, where's Jesus? What can Jesus do in this? That's how my mind works. That's that's how I struggle sometimes in my faith. But I do find comfort in this passage. You know what I see in this passage that comforts me? Did Jesus give up on his disciples? He did not stop seeing them. He did not stop going to them. And he did not stop speaking to them, even in the midst of their struggles. And I know what struggles you're thinking about. You're thinking about the wind against them and them in the middle of the lake. But I'm going to tell you, there was a struggle inside of them that was greater than the struggle outside of them. It was a struggle in their faith. But the good shepherd knows that, doesn't he? The good shepherd knows that. And he loves his sheep. And he sees that his sheep still have so much to learn and so much to experience. So what does, what does the good shepherd do? Jesus climbed into the boat with them. Don't you love that? He didn't just keep on going or say, hey, follow me. He climbed into the boat with them. I love that. He gave the disciples the best that he could give. You know what it was? His presence. Brother Andy and the praise team just led us in that. Caught up in your presence. I don't want anything else. Nothing else. I just want to be with you. So Jesus gave them what they really needed. His presence. He was right there with them. Right in the middle of the lake. In the middle of the struggle. Both physical and spiritual. Jesus was with them. And don't you love this? Because Mark gives us another interesting detail. He says, and the wind died down. Well, of course it did. Of course it did. You want to know why? Because I read the previous five chapters of Mark. And guess what Jesus has already done one time for his disciples? He's already walked on the water before. And guess what Jesus has already said? Hey, when? Be still. In my words, stop. And guess what the wind did? It stopped. (laughs) Of course it did. In Mark chapter 4, he told the wind to be still, and it did. In Mark chapter 6, guess what? Jesus just climbed in the boat and didn't have to tell the wind what to do. The wind knew. The wind knew who was in charge. Yeah, don't you like that? Listen, Jesus can speak 
into your life, but Jesus don't have to speak into your life. All he's got to do is be there. Because you, cause you want to know why? Because he's the I am. <laughs> See, what we need to know and what we need to believe today is that what Jesus did that night, that morning, with and for his disciples, Jesus still does today. And Jesus still can do this today. Jesus still will do this today for you and for me. Wherever the middle of your lake is, wait for Jesus. Did you hear me? I didn't say panic. <laughs> I didn't say try to go this way and go that way. Just wait for Jesus. Just keep doing what he called you to do. That's easier said than done, Brother Jeff. I know. I'm right there with you. Again, I'm not going to dehumanize any of us, so please don't dehumanize me. Because I'm struggling just like you're struggling. Jesus is not done. He knew where he wanted his disciples to be. He knew where his disciples were going because, in fact, that's where he was going. And so watch what happens in verse 53. When they had crossed over, that, that means everything's all right. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, look at this. People recognized Jesus. Think about that for just a minute. What happened to the disciples when they were in the middle of the boat and Jesus was coming to them? They weren't expecting Jesus, were they? And guess who they thought that was walking to them on the water? A ghost. But these people, there's a difference. They knew Jesus was coming, so guess what? They were expecting Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. It says, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Verse 55, they ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, and countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Oh, this is amazing. The people recognized Jesus. Like many in that day, I'm sure they recognized Jesus' physical appearance, yes. But do you know, what they, you know what they also saw and what they also believed? Was that this man can heal if he wants to. This man can speak if he wants to. This man, if he wants to, he don't even have to speak. Right? All we got to do is just touch a little tassel on his robe. That's what they believed. And so they recognized Jesus, yes, but they recognized His power and His authority over sickness. They recognized His strength. And so what did they do? They ran everywhere, right? The Bible says they ran over that whole region. I don't know, I don't know what that whole region looked like back then, but I'm pretty sure it was more than just a here and there. It, it was way over there and back and way over there and back. The whole region, they ran everywhere bringing the sick to Jesus. Why? Because they believed in his healing power. And what does the Bible say right here? It says Jesus healed them. That's what it says. They were healed. Those who merely touched his cloak were healed. See, the good shepherd had compassion, didn't he? We know that because of the previous passage. When he fed the 5,000, the good shepherd was looking out at the crowd, and what did it say? 
It said he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were sheep without a shepherd. So what did he do? Before he fed them fish and bread, what did he do? He fed them spiritually. You remember? He preached to them. He taught them because he knew that that was their greatest need. Spiritual. That's the good shepherd. Compassionate. Loving his sheep. This passage simply reminds me that when we seek Jesus, Jesus can be found. Amen? When we are looking for Jesus, we can see Jesus. He is not hiding from us. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus has what we need because He is what we need. Did you hear me? Jesus has what we need because He is what we need. Listen to me. We don't just need a better president or a better government. We don't just need better laws or take away this and put in this. I'm going to tell you, what we need is at our, at our fingertips. What, what we need is a breath away. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I told you before, uh, I read a morning devotional. Um, I got to be careful because I, I feel like Marty's probably going to come in my office and steal it from me before too long because she hears me talk about it. And she's like, I, is, did you get me one? Did you get me one? Paul David Tripp has a devotional called New Morning Mercies. I'm on my third round. <laughs> I've had it for almost three years now and I'm rereading it every day. In this devotional, he talks about the disciples when they were in the middle of the lake. Let me read to you what Paul, Paul David Tripp says in his devotional, New Morning Mercies. He says, it is clear that they are not in this mess because they were disobedient or arrogant or unwise. They are in this place because they obeyed Jesus. Why did Jesus send his disciples into that storm? Here it is. He did it for the same reason he sometimes sends us into the storms because he knows that sometimes we need the storm and able to see the glory. Wow. Paul David Tripp goes on to say this, and man, I need this desperately. I need this reminder, and I hope this reminder is what you need. Paul David Tripp says, Your life is not good because it is easy or predictable, but because the I am has invaded your existence by His grace. Your life is not good because it is easy or predictable, but because the I am has invaded, don't you love that word? Has invaded your existence by His grace. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to lie to you, I love easy. I love comfortable. The kids know they're on the couch we got in our living room. There's just one part of that couch that's mine. And, and Marty reminds them, that's daddy's. That's daddy's. You want to know why? 
Because in my opinion, that's the most comfortable place to sit. Like I can stretch out and just feel like I'm sitting on a cloud. It's just, it's mine. I like comfortable. I'm going to tell you what, I like easy. Yesterday morning when I was running, there was one little stretch where the wind was hitting me and I was like, oh, but for the most part, that was an easy run. I got done and I was like, man, this is good. I could run it again. I mean, I felt, I, I like easy. But here's what, I, here's what I desperately need and what I'm understanding. It's hard for me to see the glory of God when I'm comfortable and when it's easy. It is. It's just hard. You want to know why? Because I get satisfied. I get satisfied with the stuff I got. I get satisfied with my efforts. I get satisfied with this and that. I just get satisfied. When I'm satisfied, have you ever eaten a meal and you just you didn't want anything else? I'm good. Even though that strawberry pie is sitting on that counter and looking so good, right? Like, I think so many times we want so easy and we want so comfortable and we chase that. We chase the easy life. We chase the comfortable life. We chase the good life. And God the whole time is saying, look at me. Look, look to me. Look for me. We need the storms. Why? Because it's in the storms when Jesus says, it is I. And we see his glory. So I want to ask you two questions as we close today. The first one is very important. If we know that Jesus is the I am, is Jesus your I am? It's one thing for me to just say Jesus is the I am. It's another thing for me to say He is my I am. See, when I say He is the I am, it's not personal at all. But when I say Jesus is my I am, you know what that means? That means I know that I know that I know. And it ain't dependent upon you. And I'm going to tell you what, it ain't dependent upon me. I have surrendered. And he is my I am. So I want to ask you, is Jesus your I am? The, The better way to ask that question is, have you surrendered to him and have you experienced his grace, his invasion, right? His invasion of grace and glory in your life. Have you surrendered and have you experienced it? Because here's the thing. There ain't nothing in this world that will ever satisfy you. No spouse, no children, no job, no hobby, no money. I'm going to tell you, you'll keep running, you'll keep chasing, and you'll never get to the finish line. But with Jesus, (laughs) taste and see. Taste and see, because the Lord is good. Jesus doesn't just have what you need. Jesus is who you need. My prayer is that you are experiencing His grace and His glory in your life, that He has invaded, <laughs> He has climbed into, right, your heart. And He is bathing you in His grace and demonstrating His glory in your life. And it's not dependent, right? It's not dependent 
upon the circumstances of this life because God's glory is always available. It's always, always available to you, whether you're on the mountain, in the valley, or in between. But we do need those storms, don't we? We need those storms because sometimes we can get full of ourselves. Sometimes we can get lost in confusion and doubt and fear. And sometimes in those storms we need Jesus to speak and say, It is I. I am. 